BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Level three, this is Sports Rage. I am Rexy. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people, the bustlers, and everybody else in between. Sirius XM Channel 159. So, yeah, shout out to Marcus Kemp for uh, kicking with us. Man, I'm getting fired up uh, for that. And I want to ask him about the, um, the national anthem. I'm glad I got that question in, actually. And I wanted to actually, I should have had, like, really asked. I don't think he knew, though. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But I like to ask Chris Jones. Were you crying during the national anthem? Or was it, like, I don't know if people realize this. Because people are like, he's getting emotional. Like, if you guys saw that, people were like, uh, there was, like, a picture of Chris Jones and the Chiefs during the national anthem. And there was, like, a tear. It was water, like, all running down his face. And look, he was crying. And people were like, oh, look, he's getting emotional during the national anthem. And it was funny, Matthias, because later on in the game, they showed him on the sideline, and he had the same tears running down his face. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It's just cold. I don't think he was crying during the National Anthem, personally. I don't think he was crying. I think it was cold as hell. Anyone that's ever been in really cold weather knows. I grew up in really cold weather, so I know, and it, it happens sometimes. It doesn't happen all the time, but like sometimes when it's cold, I don't know what the, the human reaction is, whatever, but like your eye will just start getting really watery. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And you're not crying, but it's like, man, like, you know what I mean? It's like some sort of temperature shift or something. But even as a better, as a sport, like even as a better and a sports fan, forget about betting, but even as a sports fan, dude, that's the whole thing. You go to a hockey game, man, right? You go to a, you go to a playoff, like I was in Stanley, you go to a Stanley Cup finals game and a national anthem before the game, Players are like they're 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 like you know what I mean. You can just feel the emotion and the energy and stuff. And so imagine actually being a player, right? I get fired up like Super Bowl during the national anthem. I'm like, all right, all this talk, we got all this money on the game, let's go, right? And and it's always that oh, right? They always try to make it like sort of you know melodramatic, and it's there's you know the, the Super Bowl like the larger everything's larger than life. Uh, everything's large life, but I like what he said that he said, yeah, you look for a minute, but you know what I mean? Cause one of those deals, like, you know, you can't get caught up in it too much. I remember John Fitch told me that years ago, um, MMA fighter, John Fitch. I forget the guy's name. 
who he was fighting. Hardcore UFC fans will remember. I think it might have been UFC 100, actually. Was it UFC? I don't know. If, no, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know if it was UFC 100. But anyways, I was in Vegas. But you know what? It was a New Year's Eve card. That's what it was. It was a New Year's Eve card. It was one of the old days when I used to have big-time New Year's Eve cards and stuff. And um, you remember the Japanese dude? He came out in a dress. Which, like, you never see in a UFC. Like, you know what I mean? In Japan, you'll see props. Like, Buddy came out, like, wrestling style, which the UFC hates, right? But, like, they don't want you to do that. They don't. Like, you'll notice people don't really do that, like, stuff, right? So, they they really don't like it. So, um, but the dude came out. <laughs> he just didn't care. He came out in, like, high heels and, like, this sparkly sort of New Year's Eve dress. And he had, like, I don't know, man. I will survive. He had some, like, really funny song. But just it was it was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life like live, in which man there's all this like heavy metal and testosterone in these days of UFC. This guy comes out. I will. He's got the dress on. And John Fitch told me after he goes, I had to really not look at him because I was gonna laugh. Oh yeah. This is Sportrage. I am Gabriel Brancy, the pips, the players, the hustlers, the people, the bustler, but everybody else in between. Countdown to Super Bowl 57 is on. Shout out to Marcus Kemp for joining us on the show. Um, we're going to be on Media Row uh, next week. Uh, we're going to do our best to get as many players on as possible. Yet, it's, you know, it's one of those deals we can get current players, but I'm on the air all the time. So I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be at the media circus day and stuff, which it really is a circus, which they didn't have last year, last couple of years because of COVID, huh? That really is, that is like one of the craziest things ever. Like, that's like the, you know, the day you got people like Mick Aussie, actually. You got a bunch of like Mick Aussies running around, but like... women asking weird questions to the quarterbacks and like it is really like it's an over-the-top experience but we're going to be kicking it last year we had all kinds of super cool guests we look forward to it again we always like talking to people that are playing in the game and it's easy to get fired up but you could hear the intensity in his voice and i thought it was fascinating that marcus uh talked about what he remembered most because i said i had to ask him I want to see about my take. I said, you know, you they've been in Super Bowls. You lost. You've won before, right? There's a difference. And he goes, yeah, what I remember most is the Buccaneer fans celebrating after the game and us walking off the field. See, that's, that's human raw stuff right there, right? You know, the last thing out of everything you remember playing in the Super Bowl, you just remember some jackass in the stand celebrating, right? Because, you know, that's the type of, that's why players will always tell you. You always hear players say that they, it's cooler to win on the road. Players love winning on the road and watching like the opposing fans like with that depressed look on their face. Like me in front of LeBron. <laughs> Mo DeKeel joins us next. Let's talk some hoops. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morancy, Series XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Networks. We're kicking it 97.1, the freaking Luca Land, Dallas, Fort Worth as well. Let's uh, bring in Mo DeKeel, Los Angeles, California, in the house. Words at the Bleacher Report podcast, The Athletic. Uh, great videos on his Twitter uh, account, uh, at Mo DeKeel underscore NBA. Mo DeKeel, former video coordinator for the Clippers, Spurs, Australia men's basketball team, USC alum. Mo, it's always a pleasure, my man. How you doing tonight, Mo? I'm doing great, man. I'm always happy to be on with you. So this is a lot of stuff I want to get to, and uh, the Los Angeles Lakers don't get talked enough about um, international <laughs> media, uh, Mo. So let's 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 talk about a team that doesn't get any coverage. But all kidding aside, you know when somebody is around for a long time and somebody is great every day, it's almost easy to take it for granted. But LeBron drops his first triple double of the season at MSG. What are your thoughts on LeBron's pursuit of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record? I think you touched on a sense of like, we almost take him for granted a little bit just for, and and some of it is people don't like him, the corniness and things, all that stuff aside. What he does on the court is absolutely amazing. And, let me just put it to you this way, Gabe, because I look at his all-time scoring title chase, unbelievable. But the pure fact that he's going to probably he's going to finish number one as the all-time scorer in the NBA and top five in assists is absurd. Usually, it's one or the other. The guys who are in the top ten on that list of assists, none of them are in top ten of scoring, and it's just, it goes the other way around. It's very Wayne Gretzky like Mo. Which who is yeah. known as the great one, where he scored, but he also set other people up as well. It's a great point. That's a great comp, Gabe. I never thought about that until now, and part of it's because I'm probably not as big of a hockey guy as you. But I think that's a perfect comp with that. Is you know you even with him, you don't even necessarily think of his scoring right away. You think of him as just his passing sometimes. It's that's kind of what makes him so special. And, you know, because honestly, and as you stated, whether you're a Jordan guy or this guy or that or or whatever, 
you know, to do this at 38, I don't care who you are, right? That's just what's amazing to me, the elite level that he's playing at. Yet, I was intrigued by a video that you did about some of the new offensive schemes that the Lakers are running that are causing causing teams problems on the defensive end, Mo. Talk to me about that. Yeah, they've been running kind of a deep pick and roll. It's almost like a post-up that turns into a pick and roll from the block and it just makes it so impossible to guard defensively because even if, though it's in a tight space either LeBron or AD who's the guy usually setting the screen is one step away from the basket good luck stopping that because you got to guard both of them and you're in that challenging situation it's an incredibly difficult one to cover and they've started to do that a lot this year and I feel like they've gotten a lot of hay out of it it's a great action for them and, you know, Mo, just for the record, too, yeah, Wayne Gretzky, most goals ever and most assists ever. That's when you know you're badass, right? That's like what I'm talking about, the overall, the overall dominance. So Russell Westbrook gets into the top ten, um, passes, uh, passes the glove. Uh, that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. And Russ gets talked about so much, especially in Los Angeles and nationally, uh, in a negative light since he's been a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. But it's interesting, FanDuel have him as the favorite to be the NBA Sixth Man of the Year. Right, he's plus one fifteen. Malcolm Brogdon is plus one eighty. Tyrese Maxey is six to one. After that, where's the disconnect between the odds makers thinking that Russ is the sixth man of the year and the public narrative that he's terrible? Well, I think for starters, the Laker fans have started to embrace Russ. There's still the issues with him and, and things like that, but once he, once he accepted the role as being a a, a sixth man. Laker fans at Laker home games celebrated him and have begun to enjoy him a little bit more. But I think the 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 old the honest truth of this whole Six Man of the Year award in general is just there are not a lot of great options this year. And I think that's part of the thing. If Tyrese Maxey plays enough games, sure, but he didn't start out as a six man. And I think that's an interesting scenario where he might end up. But with Russ, he's become such an important playmaker for this Lakers team. This as a lack of it, he's he's so important. It's almost difficult for them to trade him. Mo DeKeel kicking out us. Uh, Mo, let's talk about the MVP um, right now. Nikolai Jokic is the favorite at minus 105. Joel Embiid is plus 230. Luka goes off all the time and drops 50. Um, but I'm almost just looking at this and thinking, like, how the hell is Joel Embiid not? Like, you know, what more can he do? Or is Luka just that much better than everybody? Like, what do you think of this MVP conversation right now? This is, I mean, it's the same conversation we've had over the last couple of years because the way I just kind of look at it is all of them are MVPs. It's just going to be come down to, you know, yeah. the, the voters' preferences. So, you know, if Joel Embiid won two MVPs in a row over Jokic these past two seasons, I wouldn't have been upset. I guess that's that what one. I'm getting at. They can't screw Embiid every year, right? I guess that's what right, I'm getting right. at. But I, don't, but I don't necessarily even look at it, even if he doesn't win. Say, say Jokic wins his third MVP. Jokic is about to probably average a triple-double for an entire season and have the number one team in the West. That's remarkable as well. And I think that's something that is important. Like, it's it's almost not like just screwing Embiid as much as it's more just, damn, man, like the NBA is stacked with ta- top-level talent right now. And I think that's the absurd thing. I mean, you didn't even mention Giannis. He's 
carrying this Bucks team with Chris Middleton only having played 11 games. I feel like there's a lot of uh, – a lot of guys you can look at, and narratively, each guy has a case in, in all of these things. Ultimately, I think it'll come down to how guys finish the season. If the Sixers somehow overtake Boston and and get the top seed in the East, I think it'll end up being Joel Embiid. But if Jokic is averaging a triple-double and they're the number one seed, I think it's going to be him. And I think it's going to be his third one in a row, and I think that's going to really surprise people. Mo, in the past, the Denver Nuggets appear to be close. Not like last year to, let's say, you know, three years ago type thing. You know what I mean? You know, in, in the Gary Harris days and, and, you know, they had, they were kind of deep. They were a scrappy team. They were coming on. But Murray, you know, Murray got hurt, et cetera, in the past years. But I guess where I'm going with this, are they legitimate title contenders in your opinion right now like if they stay healthy are the denver nuggets nba title contenders for real i think they are but the one thing that's the caveat is i'm very concerned about their defense in particularly in the playoffs because exactly it's improved over the so is there a guy that you would like to see them get like you know what if they brought in this guy just sort of a a grinder because you're right we know there's regular season basketball there's postseason basketball right and can Jokic himself take it to the next level defensively too in the playoffs yeah I mean the the hardest thing is is who's who's the guy they get like sure go get OG and Anobi done you know as as if it's that easy um but they need to find a a defensive wing or even defensive guard that can help them. Because it's not just Jokic. Jamal Murray, who's been better defensively this year, but still, I don't trust him in the playoffs. Michael Porter Jr., been better defensively this year, don't trust him in the playoffs. That's three guys in their starting lineup. A lot lineup. of offensive-minded guys, yeah. yeah. That's three guys in your starting lineup where you're going to have to look and you're saying, okay, Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, carry it for us. That's a lot of pressure to put on those two guys, especially with just how good offenses are in the NBA. So I think they need to think defensive-minded guys. You know, I don't know if it's available, but if, if they can find a way to get, like, Matisse Thybul from Philly or, 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 or something like that, sacrifice some offense to get some defense, I think that'll go a long way for them in their playoff run. All right, just a couple of more things I want to throw at uh, Mo DeKeel. He just brought up uh, OG Ananobi, one of the most discussed uh, players potentially available. Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors always play uh, things very close to the vest, yet I do find it interesting that they've decided that, well, his wrist is hurt and he'll be out for the West Coast trip uh, right now. All right, hang in here, Mo. A couple of more questions for Mo DeKeel on the other side. The late-night anchorman for class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Everybody in the NBA is watching are the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Mo, I know you have a lot of respect for Bobby Webster and for Masai Ujiri and what they've accomplished, but it's pretty clear that this roster is not working. Why is this roster not working? Do they have too many too many guys that do the same thing? I see a lack of ball movement uh, with this team. I've also heard from people from sort of an inner circle that they wouldn't mind having Scotty Barnes just handling the ball more. Right, that they think that you know Barnes's vision is unbelievable. That he actually handled the ball at Florida State. You know, sort of a hybrid, a hybrid situation. But there seems to be a basketball philosophy situation going on there. You've got guys that are worried about their contracts, and and they want to get paid. Doesn't seem like it. You know, no one's on the same page right now in the six. Mo, I guess that's the best way of putting it. What do you see fundamentally wrong when you look at the Raptors? The, the the first thing I, I, I start with every time, and I say this with respect because, as you said, I do respect Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. Those dudes fell in love with the concept of, you know, everybody being 6'9 and interchangeable. And the problem becomes now you have too many guys that have redundant skills and none of them have additive skills. And what I mean by that is all these guys do the same thing, and that's it's not the same as, like, yes, we want all shooters because shooters spread the floor. That's an additive skill. Redundant skill is – you know, four guys that can block shots. There's only one ball. They can't all block a shot on the same possession. You know, and, 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 and I think that's along the lines of they fell in love with this concept of the I think it's Vision Six Nine or Project Six Nine or, or, yeah. or something like that. And I think that was a mistake because it didn't look at the fact of how do you build a team in it the sounds crazy, of- Mo. Sorry to jump in, but it's very Florida State-ish where Barnes came from. It's very right. like, yeah, we've got a bunch of six nine guys. They're super freak athletes. They're all going to be lottery picks, but we can't shoot, and we don't have any team chemistry on the floor. <laughs> right. and, and you know what? That might work at Florida State in college and in the tournament where it's one and done. You know, but in the playoffs or in the NBA, it's not going to be the same, especially with the talent level that you play is, is, is a different level. And I just think from there, everything has spiraled now because now you have too many guys doing the same thing. You have too many guys that are, uh, you know, need the ball and need, need touches, and now you put yourself in a bad situation. I just think their, their philosophy and roster construction over the last couple of years is really what sets them uh, back. Just look at the fact that look at the team that won the championship, and granted, they don't have a Kawhi Leonard anymore. But they had a big center in Marcus Gasol. They had legitimate point guards and Kyle Lowry. And, and I think you know oh, they were diverse. You're right. They won. People think about Kawhi all the time. They beat Giannis because of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka in the middle as well, right? They were a diverse team. That team, right? And they've gone away from having like just a true center. And I think that's kind of the stuff I look at with this team. And I think now they're in a different position than where they were, you know, two years ago.
As far as Fred Van Fleet is concerned, how big of a Van Fleet fan are you? When you see him play this year, in my opinion, it looks like he's just sort of shooting for himself, right? And I get it. They need they need offense at times, but there's just some really, really sort of, in my opinion, selfish shots late in the game, early in the shot clock. Um, and I know it's weighing on him right now. They offered him, dude. They offered him like $114 million, right, for a four-year contract extension. He didn't want it. What do you think transpires with Van Fleet? I've heard the Clippers are interested. Would Van Fleet help a team? Or what would you do with Van Fleet if you were the Raptors? Well, if I'm the Raptors and I have no intentions of re-signing him because he's going to opt out of his contract at the end of this year, then I'm trading him. If I've, if, if I've made the decision that, hey, I'm not, I'm not willing to go more than the four years, $114 million that we offered him the, at the extension, then, then i got to move him because I can't lose him for nothing. And I think the... It becomes interesting from there because this is a funny misconception about Fred Van Vliet. He plays the point guard position, but he's not a point guard. And and what I mean he gets by zero that, assists, bro. He doesn't set exactly, you up. He, yeah. he doesn't. He's not a playmaker. He's not the assist kind of uh, guy that you're looking for and things like that. I think the Clippers are really an interesting team, but again, they're going to end up saying the Clippers have been searching for that point guard and play playmaker forever. And I think they're going to end up trying to go after Fred Van Vliet. And even if they get him, I think they're going to realize. Oh, he's not the guy we thought he was. And what I'm, it, it, they're not going to get the passer that they think they're getting out of that. And I think that's going to end up being a, a, a bigger issue for them. But I'll tell you this much, too, though. If he can hit shots, he's going to help that team and just continue to spread the floor. And he has comfort. You know, there's, there is that familiarity, word I really can barely say, uh, with, with uh, Kawhi Leonard just having <laughs> gone through it and won a championship with him. So I think that's, that's part of the key to, to, to that, their desire for him. Hey, when you talk as much as you and I do, Mo, we're going to stumble sometimes, right? It's like, we're going to turn the ball over. Let's kick the ball out of bounds. Sorry. It's going to happen. Right, listen, before we get you out here, I always appreciate your time. We talked about Denver. You've got Memphis. So as far as the West is concerned, do you like the upstart? Do you, are you buying into Memphis or are, are Golden State starting to turn a corner? I want to ask you about Clay Thompson because Clay took it personal. I don't know if it was Shaq or Barkley or whoever it was on the show said, I don't think he'll ever be the same player. He won't get back to where he was. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, the numbers he's been putting up over the last month or so, bro, these are kind of better numbers than he used to. I mean, he can't put up anymore, right? I mean, is Clay back right now? What do you see in Clay Thompson? Or what, do you, what are your thoughts on the big picture as far as the Warriors are concerned? Well, I think for starters, just quick on Clay, he is coming back. And I've always said, you know, even last year, I said, look, I'm not even – whatever they got from him last season was a bonus. This was the year we were going to start to see Clay rise because coming back from an Achilles injury – it's almost a two-year process, and now it was an Achilles and an ACL. It's a long process for him. I'm not surprised to see him finally get his legs under him and get cooking again. This whole thing, though, Gabe, is lined up so perfectly for the Warriors to at least get to the finals again. I don't trust Memphis Grizzlies, and the only reason why I don't trust them is I feel like Dylan Brooks is going to cost them at least two playoff games in, a, in an important series, just with his shot selection and everything that he does. The Warriors seem to already own these guys as it is and are already in their heads. They beat them on Christmas Day without Curry. Like that's a, huge, that's a huge sort of thing for the Grizzlies to have to overcome. This is a team, the more I look at them, they're just rounding into form, and they have the pedigree at this point that they could just flip a switch. I look at them, and I just say, like, even with them slowly climbing in the standings, I just think, like, it's lined up so perfectly for them. I think they're going to end up going to the finals. I get that feeling as well, that they're, they're lurking right now. They're, this, this is a lurking team. All right, Mo, before we get you out here, and we always appreciate your time, 
Luka Doncic just absolutely keeps lighting it up, but there's a common theme, right? I mean, he scores 53 points and they win by six, right, against the Pistons. Right. Or it's taking this, the Christian Wood acquisition, you know, it, it, it didn't make a lot of basketball sense. People liked it from a flash standpoint, but from a sub, you know, from a substantial standpoint. So what about the Mavs? Are they just a, the Luka show? Are they just a fun team to watch? What, what do you do with the Mavericks here moving forward? Right now, they're just the Luka show. I don't think they have much that really is going to garner a ton of interest. I know they've said they're willing to move off of Dorian Finney-Smith if it brings them a superstar. I just don't know if they have that coming. They're, they have a, a pick that's owed to the Knicks that will probably convey this year. That means they'll be able to start adding more draft picks into their, their trade machinations. But they, they absolutely need a superstar. And I'm just going to throw a wild one at you, Gabe. Just a wild one without really any particulars. But if I were the Mavs in the offseason, I'm taking a big swing at Pascal Siakam. You need a star that not only can play offensively and, and, and make some things happen, you need somebody that can actually defend. And I think that's that's one of the first places I'm calling if I'm the Mavs, trying to find a way if I can pry Pascal away from the Raptors. So, you know, and uh, we got like a minute and a half left here. It's interesting that you bring it up. Does Mark Cuban, how come they're not more aggressive? Is it Has it been cap issues? Because, you know, Mark Cuban denied the report. I don't know if it was Mark Stein that said that Luke is getting frustrated a bit and wondering if, if help is ever really going to be on the way in a big way. And, you know, I've talked about it in the past too, right? Like, it's not like Luca has a bunch of guys, right? Everyone, in the, a lot of guys in the NBA know each other and stuff, right? Like, so, like, you know, does he, oh, my buddy, sign my buddy, so to speak. But he's not a Dallas Maverick for life, bro. You know what I'm saying? He's so young. I mean, he's going to be a free agent when he's 26, Mo. And you know, man, the clock the clock goes fast. Like, Cuban better move on this. Otherwise, it's not crazy to say that Luca's going to get, think, you know what? I can't just stay here my whole life and put stats up. No, the, for, the clock's going to go way quicker than even before free agency. If they don't make a big move by next offseason, I imagine he's going to start calling for a trade demand or, or really start throwing his weight around, and we're going to hear those stories even more. I think one problem for the Mavs, they took a big swing for Kristaps Porzingis. I liked the trade at the time. It just didn't pan out for them. They did a good job cutting bait out yeah, of that yeah, and getting yeah. out of that quickly. They did try, the you're right. You know, yeah, there was a cost behind it. It cost them draft picks. It makes it harder to make moves later. And I think that's sort of the the issue is they're kind of hamstrung right now. I think they'll have a better chance in the offseason and even next trade deadline to make a big move. But it, it'll be silly to think that they're, they're not concerned about it. They know it's coming. They know the clock's starting. And the way the NBA is now these days, it's even before free agency. <laughs> and they got to start and they got to make sure they're on top of it. And, and I think this is going to be a big – I think this season's kind of a wash. This is going to be a huge offseason for them. It's a, well, yeah, you're exactly right. It used to be, well, we're going into the last year of the contract. There's going to be a lot of drama this year. No, no, now it's two years out, three years out. But two years is fair, right? It's like, well, it's not this year, but it's next year. And they, like you said, they don't do something now. Man, a lot of fascinating stuff uh, going on, Mo. Great, and we didn't even get into OG Ananobi, who I think is going to end up getting traded. Just throwing that uh, Molotov cocktail into the room. Oh, so you do think he ends up getting done. So you think OG will get traded, huh? Okay, so final one on the way out. Do you have a landing spot where you think he ends up? I think the the best spot right now is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think this is the time to put all their chips in. This is a finishing move right there. Add OG Ananobi, and you have a team that's an actual championship contender that can beat the Warriors in the playoffs, and you can move on and go after anybody in the finals. The team, everybody always teams don't want to put in draft compensation and stuff, and always hesitate with that stuff. 
overpay in this instance because if it gets you a title, it's worth it. And the window is never as big as you think it is. It closes much quicker than than, than you think, and that's a mistake if the Grizzlies kind of pass on it. Great stuff, Mo. Always a pleasure, my man. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. What's the dumbest bet I ever heard of? I disagree. I disagree. Oh, yeah. The Wicked Wednesday, this is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenci, the Pips, the Players, the Hustles, the people, the bust them, and everybody else. In between, countdown to kickoff uh, is on. And uh, we've been talking about some of the, the past trends of the Super Bowl. And I'm not talking about sort of the trend, exotic trends, or sort of the, you know, like, oh, teams are, the AFC is 6-3 and three, uh, when the game is on NBC. Stuff like that annoys me. And this is why I put the work in for you, so you don't have to do it. <laughs> but um, I actually go through everything, right? So I just, you know, I, and I kind of already know, right? I mean, you know, it's not my first Super Bowl, so everything just sort of carries over. But there's a lot of, like, stuff out there that's just like, all right, that really doesn't help me very much as far as the game is concerned. But I think our first thoughts about this Super Bowl are kind of, you know, they ring, they resonate still now a few days later. In a sense, I believe it was with Mike Tanier the other day. I said to Mike Tanier, I said, you know, he said he thinks Philadelphia are the best team in the NFL. And I said, I can't argue that Philadelphia, like if you want to look at the roster, Philadelphia have the better roster than Kansas City do. It, like if you want to talk about, like basically offensively they're equal and defensively Philadelphia are way better. But, you know, then you get into the butts, right? It's one game, so, you know, yeah, your roster might be deeper, but we have Patrick Mahomes and you don't. Jalen Hurts had a great, great, great year this year. And I've always been a Jalen Hurts fan. I liked him at Alabama. I liked him at Oklahoma. 
I thought he could be successful in the National Football League. I told people, like, I told people years ago, I said, you know, he throws a very good bomb. Like, like I said, like, um, anybody that watches college football, so I'm not alone in seeing him, but seeing pretty much every one of his college football games, if you recall, the one thing that he was always good at, thing with Jalen Hurts, especially at Oklahoma, he was good. He was really good at, like, rolling out, doing the rollout, and throwing on the run and throwing deep, right? And you see the Eagles do the same play. They took, like, three, four shots at it um, against the 49ers. But it didn't work. It didn't work. And I got to tell you, Jalen Hurts is a really strong dude. He was under-throwing balls, and it wasn't the wind. I think Jalen Hurts is a little bit more injured than people are letting on. And as I said, I want to give credit to whatever guest and, you know, whatever guest dropped it that, you know, we might find out he needs surgery type of thing after, that he's playing through a lot of stuff. And as good as Jalen Hurts has been this year, there's a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts here. It's not being talked about, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the real things that people like, that aren't talking about, but to me, like the real breakdowns of his game, there's a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts. Like, he's favored over Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you had a great year. You, you play in a JUCO conference. Let's just call it out for what it is. If you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, and, and the teams that they played this year, they played against the, the AFC South and the NFC North. Right, so like they got the Bears. The Packers were like sort of just okay this year. The Lions, you know what I mean? They got the Lions in Week One, right? Like sort of, you know, they if you and then you know they got the Texans. They played the Titans, right? They played a lot of bad teams, man. They played the Commanders twice. Like so, the Eagles have these like gaudy stats. So I'm not going to take it away from them. I'm not saying oh it's fraudulent. They're not fraudulent. They're a damn good football team. They're a damn good football team. But let's be real. Who do they just what do they just face in the playoffs here? Like what adversity have they faced? What, the New York Giants who rolled over? The game was over as soon as the national anthem was over. Right? The Giants got like just rolled, steamrolled, and weren't on that level. And were already just happy. Like, you know, the Giants were happy to make the playoffs. Then it was like, oh my God, we beat the Vikings. Well, whatever. The Vikings are like, you know, one of the biggest chokers in the history of sports. So, along with my Buffalo Bills. So, Viking fan, don't take it personal. Um, you're right there with my Bills. We're, we're both losers. So, uh, all right. And then you played San Francisco last week. As I stated, San Francisco's defense shut down their passing attack like, Lock, stock, barrel. Jalen Hurts threw for like 121 yards last week. I think he's being lost, and it's not for a lack of trying. You can say, "Oh, well, they, you know, they were winning easily." It's like, no, they tried to throw the football. They couldn't. They couldn't throw the football. Number one, San Francisco's defensive line was beating Philadelphia's offensive line. So we hear all this stuff about how great their offensive line is, and I'm not saying it's not, but we saw San Francisco kind of ragdoll them. Like, San Francisco's defensive line was killing Philadelphia's offensive line in this game. And you, how many times, just off the top of your head, did you see Jalen Hurts throw the ball out of bounds? Where he was like, oh, oh I better throw it. You know I mean, it was constant. Like, they, they gave up on throwing it almost. And they took a couple of, like, they took a couple of safe shots. 
He nearly got picked off a couple of times. I'm telling you, man, his arm strength isn't there. Now, he's got time, obviously, you know, the, the, the body heals, and he's an ultra-strong kid, this guy. I totally get that. But, you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes and the high ankle sprain, and I'm not sure how high it really was, to be honest. This is another thing. I don't know. What, did you see the official doctor prognosis? So, that's something that heals in time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, okay, stay off of it. And, hey, man, two days later, ooh, it feels a lot better now. Oh, four days. Oh, my God. This is right. I'm walking around in a boot during the day. But, like, hey, this is really, like, right? Like, it's actually, it heals. There's, like, you know, it's like a plant. You know, watch it grow. Anyone that knows, man, you got a shoulder issue or something. It's not like, oh, it'll be fine in two weeks. No, every time you throw it until we deal with whatever the hell is going on in there, we got a problem, right? So you can't, and you can't say, oh, you're going to shoot him up. No, you can't just shoot him up. You saw, like, it's, where are you going to shoot? You can't, like, you saw the accuracy was off, right? So I got, I, I actually have some concerns and wonders uh, about Jalen Hurts' health. And I'm not saying that the guy's in a wheelchair right now. I'm just telling you, he wasn't himself against San Francisco. He wasn't, um, he he didn't have the same arm strength anywhere near close. And now it just came back to me. It was Mo Khan that said, Mo said he threw it up there. He goes, he wouldn't be surprised to find out he needs surgery after the season. Don't forget, he was hurt. He was out. He only came back in the last week because they were in a panic because suddenly if they didn't win, they weren't going to have home field advantage anymore. I don't even know if he was supposed to come back when he did. So I wonder about Jalen Hurts' health situation. And then on top of that, I, you know, I was thinking about it. It's just like, wow. Like, you're the, you're favored over Patrick Mahomes. I get it. Your team is favored. But no, you're, you're favored. It's a quarterback league. Let's call it. It's a quarterback sport. It, it just is. Right? When we talk about the Super Bowl here, we're not saying Chris Jones versus Jason Kelsey, are we? Even though we should. Right? We're not saying that. No. It's Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. In the same damn way as Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow last week. Burrowhead Stadium. Right? Like, in the same way it was Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. In the same way it was Dak Prescott who took the fall and took the blame. Right? It's a quarterback league. And you got Jalen Hurts... Yeah, you won a bunch of games in college. You won a bunch of games in college. You ran through, you run rough shed through a bad conference. But now you're favored. You're supposed to win. The expectation's there. Remember, the last time the Philadelphia Eagles were in the Super Bowl, people didn't really think they were going to win. Now, they weren't 14-point underdogs, right? I think they were four-and-a-half-point underdogs. It might have been five. You know, it was five, four-and-a-half. It was five. I actually think it was five-and-a-half, and it came down to four-and-a-half. I was on Philadelphia in that game. I have a good memory of that because I was like, I, I, I was like, well, Philadelphia is going to win. I was like, I'm going to take Philadelphia on the money line plus the points. But I was like, if they're going to cover, they're going to they can win. So I had them on the money line, but it was that was one of my smarter Super Bowls. I've had some good ones and some bad ones. Right? So we told you about some bad ones last night. This one was good because Nick Foles was like plus six fifty to win the MVP. Nobody believed in Nick Foles. Right? So I was like, uh, he was like plus 650. And my logic was basically, well, if Nick Foles doesn't play well, they're not winning. <laughs> like, so you know, I was like, Nick Foles, if he plays well, 
And I was like, and I also played out, I was like, the media likes Nick Foles. He's a nice guy. He wants to be, you know, the guy's a big religious dude and stuff. He's going to be like a preacher after, or a pastor, a preacher, whatever. And uh, I was like, and I hit it. So I hit the Eagles plus the points. I hit the Eagles on the money line. And I had Nick Foles to be the MVP at like plus 550, plus 650 or something too. It was very, very good. It was, it was, it was good memories. But this time... I you know, I'm not I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes as an underdog in the Super Bowl. As good as Philadelphia are. And there there's not a lot, like I said, and like reasonable, solid, sustainable facts are pretty much like if this is a court case, which games are. So if this is if this is a case and there's a jury and you put all the facts on the table here. All right, here's Philadelphia's body of work, and this is their situation, and here's Kansas City. Philadelphia is going to win. And, 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 you know, Philadelphia is going to win. Philadelphia has more evidence on their side. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is magic or circumstantial evidence, so to speak. But I think there is something to it, right? But as we stated, like if the real recipes to win, and it's not about what color jersey they're wearing or what freaking network it's on, but the real recipe is defense. You know, the, the team with the better defense wins the Super Bowl all the time. You know, they, you know, and, you know they're sort of, okay, teams that rush for more yards in the Super Bowl. 39, 14, and 3 against the spread. Kansas City don't run the ball. So, all right, there's Philadelphia. So, Philadelphia, all right, they run the ball more. That's 39, 14, and 3. We talked about um, defense wins championships. The team that gives up less points in the regular season has won six of the last seven Super Bowls. The team that averages more yards on offense per game in the regular season is 0 and 11. 0 0 and 11 against the spread. 1 and 10 straight up in the last 11 Super Bowls. Kansas City uh, averaged more yards. We talked about quarterbacks. Quarterbacks who lead the NFL in passing yards in the regular season. 0-6 in the Super Bowl. And some pretty good ones. Dan Marino, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, all led the NFL in passing and then lost in the Super Bowl. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Renzi. Vent your rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. It's in Sports Talk Radio. Three-minute warning. Thanks to Marcus Camp for kicking with us. We wish him the best of luck in the Super Bowl. And I don't just say that because uh, we're taking the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So the the, the total moved. It went up to uh, to 50 and a half. Thanks to Cam Stewart, Ian Cameron, and Mo DeKeel as well. We'll keep this thing rolling tomorrow. So... Uh, the total has gone up to 50 and a half. I don't think it's going to come back down, too. If anything, the, the, the money will really start pouring in next week. But as I stated earlier, the sharp, the so-called sharps or the pros or the guys that are betting $10,000 and, like, a good example, like Paul Bovey, right? Like Paul Bovey. Like, uh, Bovey bet $10,000 on over 48 and a half on Sunday night, right? The number came out 48 and a half. And boom, he hit it for 10 dimes. See, that's like, you know, like people like him. And he's not the only guy like that. But people like him, they hit that, right? And it went up to 50. But then he moved it back to 49 and a half. And so, like, the the, the professionals, I don't like the term sharp or square and stuff. Because whatever, squares win, too, right? Like the old sharp squares, right? I've seen a lot of sharps lose, trust me. <laughs> so, uh, but professionals hit it early. On Sunday night, the mainstream public talks about it, looks at it. Now, not the mainstream public, but sort of the tier two sharp guy and pro guy is starting to jump in now and saying, you know what? It's time for me to bet the Super Bowl. The casual guy's thinking, oh, the Super Bowl's off for 10 days. Why are you even talking about it? Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.